Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. We are back with another installment of our ongoing podcast series with UBS Asset Management. House Call, a monthly update on the House View equity portfolios. For this month, we are joined by Adam Shiner, Senior Portfolio Manager on the Private Client U.S. Equity Team, Dominique Shager, UBS Asset Management's Senior Equity Investment Specialist, and from our UBS Chief Investment Office within Global Wealth Management, glad to have with us as well Nadia Lovell, Senior U.S. Equity Strategist. So for today, Nadia, Adam, and Dominique will provide a brief update on the markets, and then Adam and Dominique will spend some time talking about the UBS tactical U.S. equity themes. So with that, Dom, I know you will be leading today's conversation with both Adam and Nadia. I'll pass it over to you. Welcome back. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate you having us on the show as always. And happy to be changing this month's focus to talk about something we're really excited about, which is the UBS Tactical US Themes SMA. What's exciting about this portfolio is that it harnesses what we consider to be the best of UBS. UBS Wealth Management CIO's proprietary thematic research, as well as UBS Asset Management's portfolio building expertise, which is why we're thrilled to welcome Adam and Nadia to the call today so we can hear updates from both sides of the house. But before we get into the weeds in the offering, I just want to start us up with some market updates. So with that, I'll start with you, Nadia. 2022 was a challenging year for equity investors, yet we have seen the markets bounce back in the first quarter. Can you maybe start us off by giving us a macro overview and year today performance drivers? Yes, Dominic, and thank you so much for having me. Uh, you're right, indeed. I mean, so far this year, both the economy and the equity market has been surprisingly resilient. I mean, we have the S&P 500 is up about 8% year-to-date. And when you think about that, that's roughly in line with the historical average return for a full calendar year. So quite impressive so far. With uh, a few things that are driving the strong performance this year, I mean, initially coming into the year, positioning was light. Many market participants really reduced equity exposure in anticipation for a meaningful weakening of the macro data. You know, after all, we did have a Fed that aggressively hiked rates in the fastest pace in some 40 years last year. But instead, what's happened is that the macro data has surprised to be upside. The economic growth didn't come to a screeching halt. In fact, it has largely remained, I would say, Dominic, in near cruise control, slowing but still above trend. The job market has been exceptionally strong with the U.S. creating over 1 million jobs in the first quarter alone, and the unemployment rate actually ticked out. So job creation and job security has really given the consumer the confidence and the propensity to continue to spend, particularly on services. I mean, estimates are pointing to low single-digit GDP growth for the first quarter. So that's quelled some recession fears that we had late last year, at least for the near term. You know, we had a bout of heightened volatility in mid-March due to the turmoil in the banking sector, and that really sparked a slight to quality in markets. But things have stabilized largely thanks to um, regulators really stepping in quickly and kind of implicitly guaranteed all uninsured deposits and making additional funding available to the banks. And so what we've seen is that bond yields have come down over the last month. The two-year Treasury note is uh, the yield on that is down nearly 100 basis points. 
And that on the 10-year is down about 50 basis points from the year-to-date high that we saw back in March. And also, we've seen a repricing in the Fed futures market, and the market is now pricing in a few rate hikes in the back half of the year. So this pullback in yield has also helped support equity valuations, particularly for tech and tech-enabled parts of the market that had come under pressure last year when, when yields rose rapidly. So year-to-date performance has really been driven by, you know, the information technology sector as well as the uh, communication services sector. And more recently, we've seen inflation, though still elevated, you know, we're all still feeling it to some extent, has really surprised to the downside and how it's starting to, to show some signs of cooling. So the Fed might indeed be nearing the end of its hiking campaign. Right now, we have the first quarter earnings season that is currently underway. And while it's still very early in the reporting season, you know, results so far is coming in better than fair. So admittedly, though, the bar is quite low, so it's not a huge hurdle to be able to jump over, but companies are doing that. So these factors, Dominic, you know, we have solid economic growth, you know, falling bond yields, moderating inflation, though it's still high, and a hiking cycle that is looking more and more likely to end in May and near-term earnings are falling off of a cliff. And that has really helped to propel the market up to the high end of this trading range that we've been seeing for the last six months, Dominic. So, Nadia, you mentioned a resilient start to the year driven by solid economic growth, and moderating inflation, and strong jobs market. Can you maybe walk us through CIO's latest positioning and outlook for the remainder of the year? Yes, you know, um, after a strong rally in particular, I mean, we're cautious on equities. And, you know, we, in fact, recently moved to at least preferred on global equities in favor of high-quality corporate bonds, as we just think that there's better short to medium-term risk-reward there. You know, after this uh, massive rally that you've seen the other day, equity markets valuation are even more extended, Dominic. You know, we have the forward PE on the S&P 500 at over 18 times. That's above the longer-term average. And we also think that it's unlikely that the Fed will aggressively cut rates in the next six months as the futures market is pricing in, unless the economy is in some sort of recession. You know, in our house view portfolios, we are underweight U.S. equities, and we do have a defensive tilt in our sector positioning. When we just look out on the horizon, we, we think that the environment will become more challenging for equities. I mean, yes, you have an economy that is growing near term, but... You know, there are of cracks, and that could eventually turn into, like, deeper fault lines. And so some of the soft data, if you're watching that, is really pointing to some slowdown. I mean, the last week we got, you know, including the um, ISM manufacturing index. I mean, that does remain in contraction territory, and it has been there for the last five months. And more recently, the services PMI, while it's still slightly in an expansion territory, um, it is slowing. And it didn't miss expectations. And let's not forget about lending standards. We know that credit is the lifeblood of any economy. Um, you know, those standards were tightening even before the regional bank liquidity crisis that we had in March. And they're likely to tighten further. We're already seeing that in some of the recent smaller surveys just in the last couple of weeks. I mean, including the um, NFIB small business survey. We also seen it in the Dallas and the New York Fed surveys. These are all pointed to incrementally tougher lending conditions just in the last few weeks. And so we think that this is going to put some pressure on earnings. And we just continue to believe that the consensus expectations for mid single digit earnings growth in the back half of the year is just way too optimistic. 
Uh, so we think that the market is likely to hover in around near that high end of the uh, of the range uh, for the year. But we expect a correction of about 10 percent um, to a 3,800 level by the time we get to the end of the year. So tactically, Dom, you know, some hedges and some downside protection might make sense as well just to manage that risk. Thanks, Nadia. And I'm glad you mentioned the word tactical, uh, because I do know that CIO does a lot of research on thematic investing. Can you maybe walk us through the CIO's tactical U.S. equity theme offering and the research publication? Oh, yes. We love to. The topic of the day. You know, yes, our equity tactical thematic shelves really focus on um, themes that we have the highest conviction equity ideas over the next 6 to 24 months time horizon. You know, the thematic list, really, what we really try to do is bucket stocks that will benefit from a common set of drivers. So think about, you know, macroeconomic drivers, uh, valuation disconnection, geopolitical events, and also quantitative factors. You know, what we try to do, we aim to have four to six tactical themes open at any given time because, again, these are our highest conviction ideas. And so currently on the shelf, we have four themes. One is the uh, reopening China. This one focuses really on U.S. companies that are positioned to benefit from the reopening of China that has been in lock- well, in lockdown for the last three years, and those restrictions are now lifted. Two, time for quality. This one really focuses on high-quality companies. So those companies with strong balance sheets, stable operating margins, strong return on invested capital, and really good free cash flow generation and free cash flow yield. And the third one is a resilient spending. And that focuses on companies that might be a little bit more insulated from any sort of economic slowdown just due to continued spending in areas with some secular tailwinds. So think about infrastructure energy efficiency, energy and national security, a lot of these areas are benefit, will benefit um, from, you know, some of the bills that have been passed in the last couple of years, including the IRA bill and the infrastructure bill. And lastly, price and power standard. Now, the name, I think, speaks for itself. What we do here, we're looking for companies that have good market share, above average gross margin, and really stability of those margins. We are constantly, Dominic, reviewing all of these themes, the stocks on the list, and looking for new ideas. You know, while this effort is really led by the CIO U.S. equity strategy team, along with a member from the thematic and FI team, it is done with the very strong support of CIO's seasoned sector analyst team. I mean, we have research analysts that are covering every gig sector. I mean, they're doing fundamental work analysis on individual stocks. So while we might start from the top down and broaden themes, the lists are really truly built from the bottom up as well. We're looking for those names, those companies, those stocks that are not fit the respective themes, but also fundamentally make sense from a risk-reward standpoint. And so, you know, at least once a month, we're producing an update, the tactical U.S equity report, and the real goal of this report uh, is to really aggregate all of these themes so that it will be a one-stop shop for advisors and their clients to really find our highest conviction of tactical, thematic, equities, ideas, Dominic.
Thanks, Nadia. And I know this is a very dynamic publication, and as you mentioned, it is updated on a monthly basis. So now I'm going to switch gears and move over to you, Adam. How are we collaborating with CIO to create an investable solution that marries the CIO theme for our clients? Uh, well, really, our, our goal here in asset management is to create that portfolio that will allow uh, our clients invest uh, in these themes and stocks that, that we think are going to outperform uh, that will benefit from these core themes that come out of CIO. Now, obviously, the first uh, the, the collaboration is first derived from our close relationship with CIO. I would say I know this relationship firsthand as having come over to asset management last year after five years of working with CIO, covering stocks in, in specifically cyclical sectors. And as Nadia said, CIO first sets the shelf of themes and selects a list of recommended stocks that are impacted by these shorter-term trends. They also provide our team with an assessment of their highest conviction and most relevant stocks within each thematic recommendation list. And this really helps guide us in our security selection process. We then uh, construct a portfolio uh, to create a fund that will touch on each one of these themes, as well as selecting the stocks that we think are best exposed with the strongest fundamentals for outperformance in the near term. Again, typically over a six to 24 month time frame. The portfolio will also enhance diversification by covering the broad group of sectors in the S&P 500, which is also the benchmark that the fund will be compared to. As we do with our other portfolios, the weighting of the individual stocks will be managed to reflect the balance of upside potential versus overall risk. And the weighting of the individual sectors will also use input from CIO to be generally consistent with the current house view. Finally, I would say an additional value-added aspect of our investment process is the constant updating of the fund for any changes in the themes in terms of additions and deletions of stock ideas, as well as reflecting any changes in the theme shelf itself as, as far as new themes are open and older ones that may have run its course are closed. And, and that's most important in that our close relationship with CIO, that in this way, the portfolio will always reflect the best and most up-to-date thinking from CIO in terms of their thematic research offering. Thank you, Adam. So, Nadia briefly touched on the foreign current themes. Can you maybe do a little bit of a deeper dive into one of them? Yeah, so one I'd like to highlight is the reopening China theme that was launched earlier this year from CIO. Uh, the theme was launched to take advantage of opportunities presented by the easing restrictions and lockdowns in China that we've seen from COVID-19 over the last several years that really severely depressed business activity in that country. What we're seeing is after several straight, uh, several years of stringent zero COVID policy, China policymakers in a matter of months have removed nearly all restrictions that allow for freer mobility within the country. Now, new infections did rise initially after removing such restrictions, but look to be peaking now and are coming down. And while we expect to have some bumps along the road to a total reopening and could see some shorter-term restrictions come back, China activity really appears to be definitely in, the, in an uptrend, and we expect that to continue. Now, the reopening should drive a cyclical upswing in the economy, given the pent-up consumer demand that it's developed over the last several years. 
And this is like what we saw here in the U.S. a couple of years ago in 21 to 22. As vaccines were rolled out and infection rates really significantly fell, and that drove a powerful recovery in those exposed areas. Now, we've seen that recently as the service sector indicators in China are showing a nice recovery over the last few months, as consumers are really getting out of their homes to start to shop and travel more. Now, companies we look for in this theme are ones that have above average revenue exposure to China, attractive valuations, with upside to estimates that are still very much below normalized pre-pandemic earnings levels. We think as mobility improves in China, that should boost demand for consumer areas like gaming, travel and lodging, dining and shopping, for example. Secondarily, as those areas of travel and tourism pick up, where people just start getting out and back to work, we think it spurs a higher demand for oil and oil prices. With oil supplies already tight, this could really tip things in the right direction for the sector with increased profitability. I would also say industrial metals could get a lift here in demand from increased electrical and transportation uses in China, as well as improved construction activity. Also, we think segments of the smartphone market could also benefit after weaker volumes we've seen and, and a boost in, and that should boost semiconductor companies uh, from that increased demand. Finally, I would say the risk in these themes are anything that results in a reversal of policymakers and their reopening plans. So something like a move back to more lasting and prolonged lockdowns that would impair economic activity and earnings growth are a risk to this theme. And secondarily, anything that increases tension between the U.S. and China is a risk overall that because it would improve, uh, actually impact trade activity negatively. But for now, we're really seeing a nice recovery uh, in this theme uh, due to uh, due to lifting the restrictions over there. Thank you, Nadia and Adam, so much for your insights today. Dan, that's a wrap from us. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us for another installment of House Call, a monthly update on the House View equity portfolios. For our clients of UBS listening in, if you do have any follow-up questions based on what you've heard from the team today, we, of course, do encourage you to have a follow-up conversation with your UBS financial advisor. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreement and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy.